the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. I'm joined by my co-host, Don Dix, radio host extraordinaire, and uh, he's back from his secret underground bunker to join us in studio today. And someone who should almost now be coming our third co-host of Unite IE Radio. Uh, returning uh, again is Agnes Gibney, and we very, very rarely, very rarely have a guest on one the next the following week after they've been on on once normally the guests don't want to come back that quickly they just <laughs> they didn't like it the first time but uh, she has more to her story of what happened when she was in DC so we're going to be we're going to be getting in, we're going to be getting into that but there is some there, but there is some breaking news and that is you know Bernie Sanders um, the epitome of white liberal privilege has joined the presidential race again, and he, you know, his followers contributed six million dollars in the first twenty-four hours, and immediately the other Democrats in the in the campaign demanded that he redistribute at least seventy percent of that to their less privileged campaigns. And that seemed like a very fair and appropriate request to me. I am excited about the fact that Bernie Sanders is in the hunt. I'm excited about Kamala Harris. I'm excited about the fact that the Democrat Party has a new. A uh, poster child named Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and that she blocked Amazon from bringing 25,000 jobs to her district in New York, Queens and Long Island City. I'm excited that Kamala Harris's dad publicly berated her for her comment on a podcast about her college pot smoking, which it turns out may not have been actually in college because she claimed that her pot smoking was happening at the time that Tupac and 50 Cent, I don't even know who some of these uh, rappers are, were playing their music while she was smoking pot. She graduated in 89. Their careers didn't even get started until 91. Oh, well. Oh, and it reminds me of Al Gore back when he was running. Right. And he claimed that, yeah, my, my, my mother used to sing me as a lullaby as a child, look for the union label, which, of course, the, the song didn't come out until 1976. And wasn't that, didn't, didn't uh, Barack Obama say something about how his parents uh, were inspired to have, uh, have conceive him at Selma, uh, in Selma, Alabama? Wasn't that something he claimed was an inspiration for his life? And he wasn't even, he wasn't even uh, born. He was born, what, several years. At any rate, right. the, 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 the stories go on. Right. The stories go on. There's a big story this week that exploded in the face of the media and the uh, folks that are trying to divide this country. And I'm talking about uh, the actor, entertainer, Juicy Smollett. And I say juicy because J-U-S-S-I-E, that's the way you spell it, right? 
I'm not sure that's the, that's the pronunciation, but that's the that's the right idea. So and his, we're going to be talking about that in our in our second half. Yes, we have a we have an awesome guest coming up uh, in the second half. But we have a totally awesome guest with us, as you said, in studio for the first half. Agnes, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's always nice to be here with you guys. Well, it's great. We're all sitting here face to face, like you said, no secret bunkers. <laughs> Welcome back from your adventure back to the swamp. Uh, I see that you've got all the swamp juice drained off your body. Um, How's it feel to be back in the land of milk and honey? It feels good to be back home uh, with my family and to be rested a little bit because it was nonstop. Plus added the three-hour time difference. It really wrecks havoc on your body. Moving off to our story last week, and this is what we recorded on Thursday, right? is that she had tried to go into Nancy Pelosi's office, and uh, we saw how, how we have pictures of how strongly- They had a welcoming committee for you right. guys, right? Oh, I mean, they, they, did. they defended Nancy- They were dressed in black. They, did, they defended Nancy Pelosi's borders with a wall of armed guards, real walls, and locked doors, but yet, they, of course, the same Democrats refused to defend- America's borders, and that and that you have been blocked from get, meeting with President Trump by some by people in the White House. So instead, you're going you're organizing a press conference on at the, in front of the White House. Correct. Okay, so that's where we left our that's where we left our story. Mm-hmm. And of course, Donald Trump went on to both declare a national emergency as well as allocate money. From other under other statutes besides the emergency statute towards building the wall. Uh, as but you signed that terrible bill. Take take uh, pick up the story there. What happened next? Well, you want me to pick up from time that he signed the bill, or no. from the White House? Well, from 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 where, where we left off, it you weren't get you you were you, you, get, you hold a press conference, okay. but you were not going to get a, into the White House to meet with. And the uh, press right. conference was supposed to be out in front of in the, front White, of the House, White House, right. on the sixteen hundred uh, Pennsylvania, along and, with the Native American drum. Beaters out there, right? <laughs> no, Isn't that where they there. hang out? Yeah. Isn't that where Nathan Phillips can be found any given day? Yeah, he wasn't there uh, this time. But we had a small group of angel angel moms there uh, because the rest had left. And uh, the White House called our contact person and said, do not have the press conference. Do not. You call it off now. And it wasn't just a, you know, would you please do it, was it? No, it wasn't. Uh, as I understand it was very aggressive and demanding that we call off the press conference. And uh, five, ten minutes later, the president called our contact, and he said, I didn't know you guys were in town. I would have invited you in. And uh, come on over tomorrow morning, Friday morning at 9.15 in the morning. And what we found out later uh, through different media and different channels is that the White House staff, tried to keep us out of the White House and letting President Trump know that the angel moms were there because they were afraid that if he looks at us, that he wouldn't sign this bill. But we had a very candid meeting with the president. We took a picture first, and then he said, come and sit down on the couch in the Oval Office. So let's 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 just try to set the stage a little bit more because a lot of people that are listening to us have never been to the White House, much less gone through the process of what it takes to be ushered in through security in order to have that face-to-face meeting with Donald Trump. It's actually two gates. You go in through one gate, then they direct you to another gate, Mm -hmm. and there you have to show your ID again, and then they'll give you a badge. 
And uh, so you're in your car. No, you're walking. You're, you're walking. You walk from you go one, one gate, from one gate walking, to the okay. next gate, and then they'll give you something that has a microchip inside uh-huh. uh, with your information on it that they can they match. They program it right there for you. Yes. Wow. And then they give you Is back that, your- Do you get to keep that as a souvenir? No. And when you leave, <laughs> you have to scan it and then put it in the box underneath the scanner. I see. Before you walk That's out. how they knew Al Sharpton paid 80 visits to the White House while President Obama was in office, probably, right? Probably so. It's not like you just sign in like a visitor's log at the bo- at the mm-hmm. first floor of an office building. Yeah. To briefly digress, I, I, I attended a meeting in the executive office building, which is next to the White House. And uh-huh. That's actually where most people who work in the White House, that's where their office is. That's where they are. are. That's, and that's where they work, is you had to put your inform- you had to send your information in ahead of time so they can that's run right. a, a sc- uh, scan you and, and do a background check. Okay. And you get their photo ID which I thought was rather racist, but I, I, didn't, I, did, I didn't say anything. I didn't show a photo ID to get into a public building. Then you, you, you metal detector, you had a dog to, I guess, right. sniffing explosives. And, uh, and after that, a nurse comes out with a glove and issues a digital exam. <laughs> no. <laughs> only for a man, only for a man. <laughs> Don, don't get your hopes up. They didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a DNA, a DNA, they take a DNA swab and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do a quick scan. But it was interesting, but, but once I was in, there, uh, there, was, there was no... So pretty inter- much you can just move about the cabin, yeah, right? I mean, there were some doors you had, to, you had to put a code on to get into that door. Right. But, but I, you, could, you could walk around. I could, there, was no in, there was no internal security. And after our meeting, we went over into the area. There's a driveway between the, the executive office building and the White House. Mm-hmm. And the west side. So the, but we didn't, we didn't push our luck and try to actually walk into the White House, but there was no guard there. There were no signs there saying you can't go in. Well, Interesting. So that's let's, enough of my digression. But let's, the story. this is a good place to uh, actually take a break so that we can honor our sponsors for this half hour. Uh, we're talking to Agnes Gibbony. She is freshly back from her trip back east. Another trip for the Angel Moms back there. Uh, filling us in on the unfolding saga of getting in front of President Trump uh, when he was getting ready to sign this uh, very important piece of legislation. And we'll explore other topics with Agnes when we return after a message from our sponsor. Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Angel Mom and activist extraordinaire Agnes Gibney after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590 The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. AM 590, The Answer. 
This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire Radio Show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. And we have somebody in the studio with us today that takes that private citizen responsibility very seriously. And I think she would anyways, regardless of what tragedy had befallen her, which is her primary uh, reason for getting off the couch and getting active. I'm speaking about Agnes Gibney, who is with us in studio today, hot off of her trip back east to the to Washington, D.C., to the swamp. And she was there advocating for uh, people, families who have been victims of crime uh, perpetrated by illegal aliens and not just uh, random illegal aliens, illegal aliens with a record that seemed to be coddled by the left. Agnes, appreciate you being with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. We were just stepping through your trip back east. and We were talking about what it takes to get through into the White House. So let's pick up the story there. You have passed through security. You got your uh, souvenir badge, which isn't a souvenir. And you are now being ushered into, uh, I guess, what happened? Tell us about that. You're through security. What happens then on your way to uh, meet the president? Well, as we walk into the White House, there was a Marine impeccably dressed, um, standing tall and proud. He opens the door for us. Uh, we have to unfortunately turn in our cell phones, otherwise we would be taking pictures galore. And then we were led into um, to another room uh, just immediately off the reception room. Uh, th- that has a huge, huge, uh, like a conference desk. Okay. And we sat there for a little bit, and then they said, okay, come on over. They opened the door that leads into the Oval Office. Wow. That just gives me chills hearing you say that. Okay. <laughs> and uh, soon after that, President Trump came in. We did a photo op, uh, took a picture with him, with the six of us, Angel Moms, uh, at his desk. And then he invited us to sit at the couch And I have never, in all the times that I have met and talked to President Trump, seen him so frustrated. Mm. It broke my heart. He sits down and he says, you guys have no idea how terrible things are here for me. Mm. And it just broke my heart. And I could see the frustration in his face. He says, this bill is awful. I don't like it. I have no other choice. I do not want to shut the government down again like I did last time for 35 days. But everything is just ultra difficult here for me. Paul Ryan did nothing. He should have taken care of this within the the first two to four months in office. And Paul Ryan did nothing. And he also mentioned Jeff Sessions as useless. And But his level of frustration was incredible. And uh, it was pretty evident that the staff, and I don't know exactly who, I heard a couple of names, I don't want to say because I don't have proof, um, they wanted to keep us out of the Oval Office and out of talking to President Trump, because if he would see us and your moms, he may, not, he may have not signed this bill. And I asked him specifically, I believe it's 224A, the part that the illegal alien that's traveling with a minor, that nobody in that household could be deported. And I said, can you eliminate that part? And he says, no, but trust me, as I promised you, we will build a wall. We have done already repairs, and I forgot how much he said, like 70 miles Uh of wall. Uh, and we will build this wall as I promised. But he is incredibly frustrated, and I got the impression that there are 
people in the White House not on President Trump's side, which is or ill-informing him or keeping him uh, from facts. And it's really heartbreaking because he has done such an amazing job for uh, citizens and for this country. And, and the guy is fighting so incredibly hard to find so much uh, obstruction. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I was an early Trump adopter and a strong supporter, but he's, he's the president. And the people, in the, particularly the people in the White House, are, they serve at his pleasure. They, he doesn't need Senate confirmation for anyone who works in the White House. So if the people there are not on his team, if they are not every day coming in with 110% enthusiasm to advance his agenda, then the person responsible for those people being there is President Trump. Right. I agree. I, I, I don't know to what extent. I mean, Kellyanne Conway, for instance, uh, what is he going to do, fire her? I think his eyes are on things and he's beginning to get uh, uh, caught on to what's happening uh, in the office, but it's an uphill battle for him. Every way he turned, he says it's it's obstruction, obstruction, and and I felt really bad for him. I'm going to push back a little bit only because, and I agree with you, he is the person that hires and fires. Um, but I got to believe that there is a, uh, a part of the calculus of that is um, the way that the media has already painted the administration, which is a revolving door and administration in chaos. If he fires people, it plays into that. Number one, does he care about that? I'm not so sure he cares about that. But here's the other question. If you're going to fire people, where do you go to get the people to replace them? That's right. I, you know, I, I don't, it's not like you can put an ad in Craigslist. It's not like you've got, I mean, we're legitimately, He's probably got more resources in order to be able to determine who those people come from. But there's got to be a certain amount of am I jumping from the firing pan into the kettle? Am I am I trading one problem for another problem? Sometimes the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't know. And I got to believe that there's it's like things are moving so fast um, to be, you know, saddled with now having to replace people that he never thought he'd have to replace after replacing people that he never thought he had to replace, which he replaced those people with people he never thought he had to replace. At this point, I, I got to believe that, you know, the the pool of people that he can legitimately trust without going into what may be the establishment uh, is is getting smaller and smaller. I think you can find plenty of competent people in the country who share his objectives, share his goals. And as I said, they will come to work every morning with 110% enthusiasm to advance his agenda. And you may not need to fire all of them, but when, you start, when some of them start getting fired, the others will, I think, will improve their performance. Well, you know, uh, it's it's a the alternative. It's the a, alternative is to is to keep people there that are not advancing your agenda, that are hindering your agenda. You only have so much time. We beat it one term or two terms, and you can't afford to waste that time with people that are not. But do you don't know the people? I mean, I I don't know that he has, as Agnes was saying earlier, and and I want to advance the story that Agnes experienced on Friday, uh, so um, we, we need to move on quickly because we've only got another couple of minutes, but I got to believe that if, if, if he feels frustrated with what's happening with the people that are surrounding him, 
where where does he go by himself mm-hmm. if he doesn't have people that he can trust That's to right. give bring him that pool of people where does he go, what does he do i mean literally you're you are all of a sudden feeling very isolated if you can't trust the people around you who are thinking that they're on the chopping you know it's it, it it's a uh, it, it's a it, it's a cycle that i you know i i don't think he wants to explore but let's go beyond that because um and you are now in the oval office you're talking to him you're getting a sense of the man who is now frustrated with where he is at uh with some of his campaign promises what else unfolded in that, during that uh, time we talked for about 20 25 minutes and at one point he said look out there look out there look at all the fake media sitting out there there probably was about 150 200 uh, i i don't know but there was a lot of media uh out in the rose garden and then he looked at us and says, would you guys like to come and join join me at the press conference? And, well, yeah. And the staff was going to take us out through the back. And he said, no. Angel moms are going to go out through the front door like I do. And the the staff gal just kind of uh, grasped for air and, and says, well, come on this way. And she, he goes, no, they're going to go out through the front door. So we walked out from the Oval Office into the Rose Garden the same way President Trump came out. And all you could hear just a click, click, click of the cameras. And uh, Jim, he set, he set us on the front row, uh, two on the left side and four on the right and uh, in, as you're facing the crowd. And then uh, Jim Acosta was about four seats over behind uh, behind us. And I had an interview with him. Actually, he was uh, pretty friendly and sympathetic and very respectful to me. I had, do you think it was genuine? Because I, I told somebody that. And they said, you know what? You got to be careful of these people because this is what they're trained to do. They're trained to get you to talk. They're trained to make you feel like you are... Uh, their their greatest and newest pal, uh, the the world, you know, just uh, the sun rises and sets on you. Do you feel it was genuine? At that moment, I did feel it was mm-hmm. genuine. He said his family came from Cuba, and he could never imagine going through what we have experienced losing losing a child. And uh, and I said thank you. He says I'm really uh, sorry for your loss. I really am, and all of us at CNN are too. Uh, and, and for a minute, I thought I would like to think that, that the, the act that he puts on is an act for CNN. And look, he's making millions on, on his act, on being aggressive and being, uh, and being the way he is. Right. I would like to think that he's a good person underneath all that. Yep. So you had an interview with Jim Acosta. I had an interview with Jim Acosta. Even a cartoon came out a couple of days ago that ensued a huge... Um, uh, the, the bickering and fighting amongst uh, people that support me, and they took it as an offense, and I didn't take it as an offense, but, you know, he wasn't offending me. It, it was about him. Okay. They may express their sympathy, and it's, it's hard not It's hard. It, it'd, be, it'd be hard not to, and you look, you look bad. If, you, if, you, if, you, if, they, if he was rude to you in mm-hmm. your face, he would look bad doing that. But he, all of his fellow journalists, all the Democrats in Congress, as you know, as we've talked about, 
favor open borders and unlimited immigration, and they care not one iota about how many Americans like your son get murdered, how many tens of thousands of Americans are die from drug overdoses that are coming across that unsecure border. They care not one iota. They only want to advance their political agenda of stacking the voting deck with new Democrat voters. And then you have the Republicans, they're almost as bad, who, want the same, who are, have the same attitude towards people such as yourself. Yeah, we're really sorry. But let's keep the borders open so they can That's get true. cheap labor for their donors. And no, I, I don't buy that deep down they're decent people. They are bad people who are trying, who are ruining this country for their own selfish political and economic reasons. No, I agree. They may be sympathetic for f- five seconds, 10 seconds in our face. And the minute we turn around and walk away, they just don't care. And, and this insanity needs to stop because we need to secure our borders and, and protect our country. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing a very special story uh, of you going back and uh, a, a moment, a private moment with the president, with Agnes Gibney. Coming up, Jesse Smollett has got a photo he never imagined, a booking photo. He's been arrested. We've got a great guest, Dr. Wilford Riley, author of the book Hate Crime Hoax, who is with us to help us dissect what hate crime hoaxes are all about. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590, The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate, broker license number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License number 603K610. Welcome back to the Unite IE radio show, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. This week, or the past couple of weeks, the nation has been captivated by what was initially thought to be a legitimate uh, racial hate action that unfolded at 2 a.m. in the morning in the streets of Chicago. Wait a minute, did... When you first heard the story that someone in the Chicago in the streets of Chicago got beat up by two guys in MAGA hats saying this is MAGA country, you didn't you you thought that was you thought my job was... my job is to report the news to set the stage, <laughs> okay. not give an opinion about whether I thought it was legit. That okay. comes next. <laughs> but you're right, Greg. Uh, when the details of this unfolded uh, and the media started just lining up. Uh, just expeditiously behind this story, uh, reporting it not as an allegation, but as a fact. And you're right. As the details came out, it was very suspicious in a city that voted 88 percent 
for Hillary Clinton to have two guys in red hats roaming about the st- the city, uh, yeah, did sound a little suspicious. And I think it was, it was that really cold snap, about 30 or 40 degrees below zero or, or something bleach, like that. Yeah. Bleach freezes at, yeah. uh, what, four, minus 14? So to help us to unpack what's really happening here and get some context for this story, we were fortunate enough to be able to reach out to someone that was on Tucker Carlson earlier this week. This issue hate crime and hoaxes is directly in the wheelhouse of dr will riley he is a professor uh he has written a book called hate grime hoax hate crime hoax not grime hate crime hoax how the left is selling a fake race war we saw him on tucker earlier i fell in love with his ability to bring value and reality to this topic and we were fortunate enough because the book that he has written is being published by Regnery, which is a sister company to our host station, Salem. Welcome to the Unite IE Radio Show, Dr. Riley. It's such an honor and a privilege to have you with us to unpack this very important story. Yeah, as, as I said before, when we were we were all getting ready for the show, it's an honor to be on with you guys. And yeah, I mean, uh, one quick comment before we get into it. Sure. Coming from sort of a security consulting background, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right that it made good sense to be suspicious from the start of Jesse Smollett's story. I mean, this is a guy who's claiming that, and correct me if I say anything wrong here, but as I read the story initially, two guys wearing red Trump MAGA hats and what was described as patriotic ski masks, these boys were carrying a knotted rope noose with them, and they had a gallon bottle of bleach. These two guys attacked Jesse Smollett at 2 a.m., in Chicago, in a district of Chicago, it's about 20% black, voted about 85% for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump, and they kept screaming, this is MAGA country. You're that N-word from Empire, which all Trump supporters watch. This is MAGA exactly. country. Exactly. <laughs> when, when I first heard this, the, the reaction was that this is cinematic nonsense. I mean, if an African-American guy in Chicago had said, two Irish-American individuals approached me, they said they didn't like the San Francisco 49er sweater I was wearing. This is Bears country, and they threw a few punches. You would say, okay, well, you know, law enforcement should get these guys. But Jesse Smollett's story was ridiculous, uh, absurd, I think, to right. the hearing to most people. And that's actually one reason I got into this latest news cycle. I wrote an editorial for Regnery, which is my publisher, uh, which went out to a couple locations. I think the journal's looking at it. I don't know exactly who's published it. But uh, essentially saying this is ridiculous, this is obviously going to be proven as a hoax. So it was a bit of a blessing in an odd, dark way that uh, three or four days after that, the entire incident was revealed to be a hoax, and it was revealed to be a hoax on a national scale. Uh, Chicago's police commander, a good solid cop, Eddie Johnson, he came out and said, this is ridiculous. I mean, we've taken a month away from the period of time our vice and, you know, homicide and so on detectives could have been catching criminals to watch a video of every building around this quote-unquote attack site and look for these guys who were never real. He referred to it as chasing ghosts. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's something that was probably going to be a hoax from the start. Myself, yourself, a number of other people said that, and it was inevitably revealed to be a hoax. The real question is why, before it was inevitably revealed to be a hoax, there was so much coverage and so much conversation. And that's the kind of thing my book discusses. Well, why is that? 
Oh, great question. Um, <laughs> we, love soft, we, love, we love pitching softballs on this right show. Over, so. Right over the plate. <laughs> friendly interview. No, uh, but I, that is an excellent question. I mean, it's, I think there are two parts of this. First of all, many, if not most, hate crime allegations are hoaxes. I don't want to say almost all, as some pundits on the right and center right, and culture, for example, have, have said there are actual hate crimes against, for example, Jewish Americans or gays. But most of the high-profile recent hate crime allegations, uh, as we've discussed, have been proven to be complete fakes. Just going through a short list, I mean, there's Jesse Smollett, uh, Covington Catholic. I mean, these prep school athletes were presented as you know, racist monsters who attacked an old native man. This turned out to be nothing of the kind. Yasmin Saweed, I mean, Trump supporters ripped off my favorite hijab. Eastern Michigan, Air Force Academy, one of our service academies dealt with this crap. A young black girl claimed that white men literally peed on her. I mean, you had Wisconsin Parkside. There were nooses found throughout the campus. University of Virginia, uh, a feminist woman claimed the fraternities were organizing rape rings. All of these, I think I can say without exaggeration, were revealed to be complete hoaxes. So that's not in dispute. Uh, as you said, the question is why. And I think the answer, the line I've used a lot, I'm probably going to use it one more time, um, the demand for bigots in America exceeds the supply. So in the USA, there's an apparatus of organizations, and this is sort of the usual offenders if you're on the right. I mean, the SPLC, CARE, the Anti-Defamation League, Black Lives Matter, which recently crossed that 500,000 user platform on social media, right. that depend for their existence on the prevalence of not low-key bigotry, which exists, um, but wild, untempered racism. And there's not much of that. So when an incident occurs that seems to indicate that there is a lot of it, it's seized on not because it's so common, but because it's so unusual. Uh, and I think that's what you saw here. This isolated incident where a very rich man was lightly beaten up became an exemplar of the evil bigotry that we deal with every day in the USA. That's how it was presented. And I think that's why there are so many of these fake incidents. Uh, if one is falsified, the falsifier is guaranteed at least a few months of notoriety. And in most cases, I would say it's never revealed that the incident is a hoax. Interesting. A great many of these, even the Tawana Brawley case, I don't think, no, there was a civil judgment against uh, Al Sharpton in that case. So I guess that was admitted to be a hoax by all parties involved. But many of them just go into the books as unsolved, uh, in the way that O.J. is still looking for the real killers. <laughs> so there's, there's a chance that perhaps money, there's a chance at notoriety, but most importantly, there's a huge block of organizations that exists to promote the idea that there is still a race war going on. And I think that's why we see so much news about race. You know, I, th I, th I think you, you'll maybe distinguish between the individual motivation of... Jesse Smollett and there's other people that you mentioned, and then the media and these organizations that, as soon as one of these uh, allegations come forward, run with it unquestioningly. And you, I think you were alluding to this, is that they want to convince people that America is this seething cauldron of racism. It is endemic. It is structural. That, um, that, yep. that, that minorities cannot possibly get ahead on their own through their own initiative and their own hard work. They need the Democrat Party to help them against these terrible white people. And secondarily, in the, in the macro it is to teach the next generation that America is basically a terrible, bad country that is not worth preserving or defending. Yeah, I think that there's the distinction you drew there, thinking from almost that law enforcement perspective, is good. I mean, so yeah, Jesse Smollett's motivation was, in fact, totally tawdry. 
Um, what he wanted, he thought that he was going to be written off the cast on his TV show, Empire. That his character had become kind of coying. He plays um, a gay singer with left-leaning political views, and the show's cast was apparently, the director was apparently getting ready to reduce his role. So he thought that by making himself an incredibly sympathetic figure through what appeared to be obviously a brutal hate attack, he would prevent himself from being written off the show. Uh, and so he, uh, th- this was a crime, in addition to being a national race story, it was, right. uh, you know, this is a classic case of criminal collusion. I mean, he wrote two $3,500 checks to two buddies of his that happened to be bodybuilders from the nation of Nigeria, and they practiced four or five times, and then these gentlemen pretended to beat up uh, Mr. Smollett. So yeah, that's, that's just BS, that's something police departments see all the time, but the the phenomenon that stands out about these hate hoaxes is narrative creation, where the media, which does tend to lean left, that's not we as conservatives working the rest. I mean, Pew in 2004 found that 93% of journalists were either liberals or left-leaning moderates. So the media, most of the organizations that I mentioned, SPLC and WACP, all spoke out against this. There's a body of people that when one of these incidents occurs, immediately come forward to show support for the hoaxer because this provides evidence of, you know, the racist nature of America. One thing that's interesting here, without getting into a conversation about whether America, I think America had a serious issue with racism for a long time, but doesn't much anymore. But even leaving that aside, one notable thing in the USA is that the entire infrastructure that developed to fight real racism in the 1960s, if you're talking about um, Jesse Jackson, for example, who did stand by Martin Luther King's side and set up the Rainbow Coalition, uh, the National Action Network, now led by Al Sharpton, uh, the ADL, which is a pro-Jewish organization during a tough time for Jewish Americans, uh, the original NAACP, all these organizations initially had a very serious purpose. But after the Civil Rights Act was signed in 1965, they never went anywhere. So now the existence of a large part of the American public sphere is conditional almost on the idea that we haven't changed. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of the things I mentioned in the book that's fascinating is that the number of civil rights demonstrations has increased between 1965 and today. Um, Black Lives Matter, if you go, let's see if I can find this. I don't want to waste a whole lot of time with it. Well, while you're looking for that, I'll tell you what, while you're looking for that, you give us the opportunity to take a quick break and we will return with Dr. Will Riley. He is the author of a book that is due out on February 26th and it currently holds the number one place in African American studies on Amazon in its pre-release and I'm sure it's going to be rocketing even higher as this important work gets the exposure it deserves in a country that and I love what you said earlier the demand for bigotry and bigots in America is outstripping supply we will return with Dr. O'Reilly after this message from our sponsor for this half hour All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 
951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Car Star All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are pleased and honored to have on the line with us Dr. Wilfred Riley, who has a new book out, very timely in light of the news this week, entitled Hate Crime Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War. And when we left off, you were looking for an article, and I think you found it on the break. Yeah, I found this. So one of my points was that one of the things that I would say poisoning uh, the conversation about race in America is that virtually the entire civil rights apparatus that was formed during the 1950s and the 1960s to fight very legitimate threats, I will say as a black man like the Ku Klux Klan, never went away after those threats disappeared. So there's now a lobby not just for anti-racism, but in support of the idea that the country is irredeemably racist. And that's one of the reasons I think there's so much attention paid to what, in all honesty, would be very minor crimes if the races of the individuals had both been the same or if the black-white races had been reversed. But uh, the article I was looking for, uh, this is from the website Eleframe, E-L-E-P-H-R-A-M-E dot com. But this is simply... It's basically what they say is that numerically the number of civil rights demonstrations in the USA has increased since 1960, which to me is just evidence of the fact that the national conversation on race never really changed. It was white man racist back when that was true, but it's still white man racist today. So the headline of this article is there have been at least 2,406 Black Lives Matter protests during the past three years. So comparing that to, for example, um, the bloody summer in 1968 or something like this, the number of demonstrations demonstrations and marches against very specifically racism uh, has increased since the 60s. I mean, that, that's really the end of that point. But I think that that's part of why there's such a tense, charged atmosphere around questions of race. Many, many people have been told their entire lives that the country is extraordinarily racist, even in the absence of extraordinary racism. And, I mean, I think one thing that goes into this is almost sort of a history lesson. I'm sure you guys know this. But, I mean, desegregation in the United States was largely accomplished in 1954 with uh, Brown v. Board of Education. Uh, Civil Rights Act passed in 1965. I mean, from a legal perspective, racism is criminally and civilly illegal. There are tens, if not hundreds of thousands of workplace discrimination suits brought every year. Uh, Pro-minority affirmative action, which didn't do me any harm when I was applying to law school, uh, has been in place since 1967. That was the Philadelphia plan under, I mean, I, I might note a Republican president, Mr. Nixon. So the issue is that the narrative that exists, at least on the left, doesn't match reality, but evidence for that narrative is still needed. And one of the places where you see this is on college campuses, and you're a professor, you may be on your campus as well, is students that are in the most, run by far-left liberals, a little oxymoron there is that have convinced these students on the campuses that they are they are oppressed they are even the campus itself is in has this endemic racism so they 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 
They need the state. They need these special programs that they need to mobilize against the evil white man when they are the most privileged, pampered people in the world, American college students. I think it's a general point. I will say one hilarious exception to that, though. I teach at a high-performing black college, and so there's not very much conversation about oppression. And without excusing black people from you know some of the, some of the things that go on in the USA today, I do think that that's an interesting point about the oppression debate. The most insanely phonetically left-wing colleges almost all tend to be full, pretty much entirely, of left-wing preppy white guys. So when you're looking at a lot of the places where hate crime hoaxes occur, you're talking about, for example, Gustavus Adolphus in Minnesota. Um, you're talking about Berkeley in the Women's Studies Program, a uh, division of the campus that has to be at least 85% white. Mm-hmm. Uh, Berkeley does have many Asian students in fields like engineering. But you're talking about places like Drake University, which is in Des Moines, Iowa. So at a historically black college, so one of the advantages I have in terms of writing hoax is I'm a preppy black guy, so it's hard to call me a Nazi. Um, and on black college campuses, there tends to be actually less talk about quote-unquote epidemic institutional racism and so on than there was at the historically white colleges that I've taught at. So to some extent, minorities engage in this sometimes, but a great deal of the screaming on the left seems to come from woke white kids that are looking for some way to be oppressed. Um, In general, is college an extremely far-left zone? Yeah, I I don't think there's any dispute about that. The, the full idea of oppression, when you said that college students are some of the most pampered people in the world, uh, is itself a very questionable idea when you're talking about middle-class people in America today. And again, I think, I think this has a lot to do with the vast decline in actual racism. So a big part of my job is looking at statistics. And if you look at those regarding racism, it's very obvious there's been a sea change. I mean, in 1945, and this is after we'd beaten Hitler together, the majority of both black and white individuals would prefer never to date interracially, um, not to have neighbors of any other race, not to work alongside people of a different race. I mean, today, the number, the percentage of people that would object to having coworkers of a different race is about 1%. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's gone down to virtually nothing. You still see, I don't necessarily think this is you know, an evil thing in terms of what racism is. But you still see some resistance around interracial dating, but not much. And I want to... I just want to further introduce you to our audience because you said something a little bit ago. uh, You're a preppy black guy, uh, but I also want to let people know you're a preppy black guy who believes in the Second Amendment, teaches the Constitution, understands national security, and has written this great book. So I got to believe at some point in time, and I don't know if you know who Heather McDonald is, but when Heather McDonald goes out to speak at college campuses, the liberals virtually shut down the campus, uh, you know, protesting her as a speaker. I got to imagine that your star is rising in quarters that you may not want it to. And if you do get out on the speaking tour, I would imagine your book and you are going to get a similar reception in co- on college campuses today. Well, first of all, I don't mind my star rising in any quarters. I mean, I no, am old fashioned enough to think of most Americans as my countrymen. So, I mean, yep. uh, yeah, I'm. 
Essentially, I think you might be right to some extent. Uh, I will note, as you noted, I'm a Second Amendment advocate. I'm from the south side of Chicago, actually. I grew up on the east side of Aurora nearby in Illinois. So I think I might have a notably hostile reaction to a crowd of hippies trying to block me from getting paid for a speech. I mean, I think, I think it'd be kind of interesting to see what would happen if I rounded up 50 people from my old neighbor, and this would be a mixture of African-Americans, Irishmen, Italian-Americans, and try to get to, you know, a public speaking engagement in Berkeley. I'm not entirely sure that I'd be stopped from getting that. But, um, yeah, no, I, I do think that coddled and petted victimization is the worst kind. I mean... If you're talking about someone who is genuinely oppressed, um, a refugee in a Somalian or Kenyan or Bosnian refugee camp subsisting on a bowl of potash a day, I mean, most people, even if they felt a bit superior quietly about their own society, would try very, very hard to help that person. I think that the idea of oppression on college campuses strikes so many people as ridiculous because almost everyone on a college campus is, by definition, an upper-class college student. Yep. So, I mean, I don't Especially have to in, America. in front of me. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, that goes on. I mean, it, but in any of the countries where you get these sort of movements, France, Canada, Japan, I mean, these may be our rivals, but they're our friendly rivals, and they're quite as rich as we are. The global left seems to mostly exist only in wealthy Western countries. So, I mean, you know, with the collapse of... China is now a capitalist country, although it's a dictatorship. Um, the Soviet Union collapsed into a series of countries with names like the Republic of You and Me, and I'm not sure about me. There's been a change from the 1960s of the Civil Rights Movement in which it was, the dream is to have all people judged on the content of their character, not on the color of yeah. their skin, to today in which the color of someone's skin is, is, is of, of extreme importance and where you fit on the Democrat totem pole of victimhood. Why is that? Yeah, well, how did I, that change happen? And you only got a minute to, t- to tell us. Okay, well, let's see if I can work fast. Um, I think what happened is that civil rights occurred. Civil Rights Act passed. I mean, within 10 years, desegregation had been accomplished. So unless these organizations were going to disband, they needed to find some new targets and some new goals. Um, And I will say balkanization is bad for everyone. I'll, I'll actually end on this note. The last chapter of my book looks at a rising trend in hate hoaxes among one new category, which is working class alt-right identified white men. So if you tell people who aren't that they're oppressed or that they're engaged in a race war for long enough, eventually they're going to start acting like it. That's true for people of all races. So for the sake of the country, we need to change that. We need to reemphasize that we're all Americans. Look up at the eagle and smile. Great point to end on. You're right. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Dr. Will I almost said O'Reilly. I gave you a, a, a full promotion to uh, full-blooded Irishman. Lord of the land. Yes. Dr. Will Riley, author of a book that is coming out on February 26th, Hate Crime Hoax. And we it's been such a pleasure to have you with us. And we hope we can have you back soon because we know this topic is not going away. Well, let's hope it does for the sake of everything but my wallet. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed talking to you guys. I'm more than glad to come back. Great to have I, you with I, us. I would agree with you. Hate crimes are not... Tune in every Saturday for the Unite IE radio show right here on AM 590. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. 
Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.